Hello, Linux fans, and welcome to another episode of Destination Linux, where we cover Linux news, reviews, and anything else that may be fun or interesting in the Linux world. I'm Rob. And I'm Rocco. And this is episode 12 of Destination Linux. Hi, Rob. What's going on? Hello, Rocco. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Did you know that uh, earlier this morning I woke up and there was about an inch or two of snow on the ground? (laughs) This has been the craziest uh, winter, and you and I are on the East Coast, and... um, We've talked about it where you you've had days where it hits 70 one day and then you're 33 the next day. It's crazy. It's ridiculous, man. I mean, I've never seen a, you know, a winter spring like this. Well, okay. first of all, for us, we've only had two snowfalls counting the one this morning. The first one was maybe an inch and then this one. And we usually get a lot of snow during the year. I mean, we usually get like 20, 30 some inches for a year. And, uh, it's, and then of course we get the days that are 70 degrees and then the next day it's 30 and I woke up to snow this morning. So there you have it. Well, that's the thing about weather is it's always changing. So, so Rob, I seen a video that you made about Manjaro. Oh yeah. Yes. So you installed it on the family computer. Yeah. I used a complaint from my wife on the family computer as an excuse to go ahead and wipe off. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> KDE. And I took that golden opportunity to put Manjaro 17 on there. And I went with, I almost went with XFCE. I was so close to going. XFCE. Really? Yes. But the, here's the thing. So everyone in the family, my son, my daughter, wife, they've all, uh, really gotten used to KDE. And in fact, my wife said, well, what are you going to put on there? And I said, don't worry, it'll have KDE again. You know, like, yeah. like she wouldn't know unless I said to her, Hey, this is running Manjaro. You know, she wouldn't know that if, as long as it had KDE, she wouldn't know anything was different. Right. As long as the panel and everything was placed, you know, at the top or at the bottom, wherever it was before. And, and basically, you know, you install uh, Chrome on there, and, and she's good to go. You know, and then uh, she likes WPS Office. Um, right. You know, but so with Manjaro has the AUR, you can do that, right? That is correct. That is correct. I, I, I tell you, I was I was excited to put it on there just to kind of see what was going on. They've done some things in the theming department. I think that are that's definitely an improvement. Uh, they seem to have integrated. You know, it's got the latest and greatest KDE, so that's 5.9.3. Yep. Which you're running right now, Rocco, correct? I am running Antergos with, yeah, KDE 5.9.3. And so, you know, everything's updated. And it's, it's what it, here's what I liked about it is that it didn't look like you just had Manjaro and you just plopped generic KDE on there. It looked like, what I think it is, which is they spent the time to really integrate it well with, you know, their green icon. And of course you have to like green if you're going, <laughs> if you're going to run the default Manjaro, right. uh, you know, but, but now I had some issues. It wasn't all roses. Um, and I didn't mention this in the review video, but uh, typically when I'm, you know, I'm not dual booting or anything on that system, on the family system, it's just strictly Linux. And, um, so I went in to do my typical erase hard drive and, and install, you know, that's yeah. a simple, simple, easy way to go. And I was just, I wasn't going to worry about there being a swap partition or anything like that. I was just going to let it go naturally erase the entire drive and, and do a fresh install. It just simply did not want to do that. It would fail every time. So I went back in and had to set up the partitions manually, which no big deal, got that set up. And then, man, I got it 92% of the way, you know, so I got it started and it was doing the install and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get a drink. So I, you know, went into the kitchen, grabbed me a drink, come back and I'm thinking, Hey, it's going to be 70, 80% of the way done. And 
So, you know, sitting down there kind of watching it and it hits 92% and this error message popped up. And I wish I would have taken the time to screenshot to see what the error message was. I, I should have reported it, actually. I should have, right. you know, sent in sent in a, a report and I did not. But anyway, I was just anxious to kind of get it started again. But you want to talk about a, a bummer, man. You get 92%. Of, if you're going to crash on me, crash it. <laughs> crash it 43%, you know. <laughs> that is so frustrating, though, when that happens, especially when it's, you know, almost there. Yeah. And that's happened a couple times to me. It, it, extremely frustrating, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry you had that problem because that's But anyway, uh, re, re, restarted, restarted the install, and, and it went through fine. And uh, you'll note, I, I, or in the video, I noted that, it, you know how it is. You get this feeling. I mean, I have no statistical proof of, a, of what I'm about to say. Right. But, but Manjaro KDE does not feel as fast to me as... Antergos KDE. Well, I'm telling you, I'm running it now, Antergos, and it is lightning. <laughs> so, uh, Antergos was what you had on it, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm. I've installed Manjaro a couple times, and I actually plan on doing a preview of it because I had done New Runner, and I'm going to do a, a logical next step would be to do Manjaro because New Runner is based on Manjaro. So I plan on doing that, but I've always had problems with Manjaro in the past, just little issues here and there. So hopefully it goes well and uh, we'll get it out there. You know, now that you bring it up, yeah, bring it up. <laughs> Talk, now that you about it. Up, I have also experienced that where, and you know how it goes. So I, I like, okay, I'm going to, Manjaro is going to be it. You know, I'm going to stick Manjaro on here and I'm going to run Manjaro for a solid month. Cause I like it. I like what they're doing. I like mm -hmm. their approach. And if you look at their, their updates aren't as rolling, you know, as Antergos can be. And right. can be. Um, you say but, it ever, any way you want, man. <laughs> thanks. But, but like you said, eventually it'll be like day three, day four, I'll start having weird issues. And, um, you know, hopefully this is not the case this time. Now, I, I got to say, so I've got uh, AD, uh, uh, excuse me, Radeon, um, a Radeon card mm -hmm. in the PC, and they're, you know, the Manjaro uh, tool there in place to pick up those drivers and install was flawless. Right. Um, so, so that was nice. And the other thing that's great about Manjaro is if you have an HP printer, Man, it just works within Manjaro. Oh yeah, you. I mean, it's just plug it in. You don't have to do a thing, and immediately, bam, your your, your printer's going to work. Now, this is an older HP, one of those all-in-one scanner kind of deals, you know. Mm -hmm. And I like older printers simply because they just work so well with Linux. Right. Well, they've been around and uh, they've had enough time to make them work in Linux. But Manjaro does a good job with the printing to begin with anyway so yeah it really does um and then you know i've got some settings to go in and adjust there were no updates after the install and typically you know even on a fresh release i don't know if you find this but man on most fresh releases you go in and there's an update still and it's like what you just released this <laughs> yeah it happens <laughs> but well you know manjaro in general um i just I hope that this goes well because there are so many people that love it. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people out there, including YouTubers like Don't Call Me Lenny, uh, uh, Suda Reboot. They all love Manjaro. And maybe that's because I've always tried their GNOME and KDE edition. I'm not a huge fan of XFCE, so I can't say that I've actually tried that one. But, I mean, it could have something to do with when I said to you before about the bugs that it could have to do with the gnome or the kde versions but there's a lot of people that love it so hopefully it'll work out well and a lot of the comments in um on the video were go xfce you know that's <laughs> you know. so yeah and i think the majority of people probably do uh go with xfce and and you gotta hand it to them because they make xfce look as attractive and modern as you could i think make it look you know they're as, as much as possible anyway yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly 
But there was and, a uh, guy that commented on one of the YouTube videos that I have, uh, Garth, and he talked about, he brought up a fact that I forgot about that uh, I think it was the Cup of Linux version of Manjaro had XFCE running, but it was using KWIN as the window manager. Ah. So, and it was, and it actually worked pretty well. And he was saying that there's an update to it now that um, you can run KWIN without having, with the new Qt frameworks and everything, you don't have to have Compass installed. It just runs KWIN without it. So, well, be an option. Just saying. Well, and uh, Serge made a, and you you know Serge or Sergey. Yep. Is it Serge or Sergey? Uh, anyway, one of, those. <laughs> one of those, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. Um, he made mention of LA, L, L, I can't even say it. LXQT. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Which is an option. And I think I'm going to maybe explore that because you kind of get the best of both worlds there. I've never actually tried that. So I don't know how good it would be or not. Yep. Yeah. That'll be one to look at. I think. All right. So, um, Rob, what do you got as far as news? Well, we man, there's a heck of a lineup. But before we get into that, i got to find out. You've been running, um, as you mentioned earlier, um, Antigas KDE for yep. what? Since fresh install. Um, I think it was last Saturday. Okay. Last so Saturday that I installed it. So we're talking uh, six days. Okay. And? And so far, far it's running, it's running great. Um, I did find a bug uh, in the audio uh, system tray or or system settings. I'm not sure where you would classify it as, but um, it's not a huge bug. It's just when you go and you right click on the uh, system tray applet and you open the system, the audio volume settings, and then you would normally, you go to the general tab. That's what it brings up as default. And then you would click on the audio volume tab so that you could see the audio volume settings. Well, when you do that, the applet on the system tray actually pops up again. And I don't know why that is, but, and then you click it again and it just goes to the audio volume settings. So it's just a minor bug. But other than that, it's been flawless. And 5.9.3 has squashed a lot of them bugs that was in, you know, the point two release. And man, it's getting, it's getting there to be rock solid. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome to hear. And uh, what about the, um, have you tweaked it out, themed it out or anything, or have you kept it kind of static or? You know me, Rob. I'm not going to keep it. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. Let me guess, Rocco. You've got a dark gray background with. <laughs> no, I actually have themed it out. I haven't made a video on what I've themed it out as, but um you know, I, it, it's not that I keep this theme. Like, I'll keep this theme for maybe a week or two, two weeks, and then I'll just switch to another one. You know, yeah. like right now I have a dark, dare I say, Windows 10-ish theme <laughs> on the panel and everything. And, dare you say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't find no window borders that look good that go with the windows. And I actually have a uh, nice, new, it's a newer icon set. I think it's called... Uh, I forget what it's called. I'll get it then later. It's like Demos, I think it's called. Demos? Yeah. Yeah, it's called uh, Dema Demos. I don't know. I, I don't okay. know if that's what you, how you say it, but it's a pretty nice icon theme. So I got it themed out, and we'll leave it that way for a week, and then we'll go to something else. Nice, nice. Well, so, I far, hope- the, so far, it's running great, man. Key thing, hope it remains stable, and, you know, and, it sounds like 5.9.3 has has kind of got it on the right path. So, well, four is coming out what the twenty first, I believe. So, yeah, yeah, right around the corner, right around the corner. Well, man, we do have some news. Oftentimes, do you ever have someone come up and say, "Hey, man, I'm, I want to buy a new laptop or I want to buy a new computer. What would you buy, Rocco?" You know, they they ask you that question. Um. I don't know what I would buy, to be honest with you, Rob, because uh, I I don't really, I've never had a laptop and never, just never had one. So I wouldn't know what to tell them to buy. Although I would probably steer them towards System 76. That would be my my guess. But what do you got? Yeah, Yeah, I would. I would would say System 76 is on that list, but I'm kind of a fan of Dell over the last couple of years. I've got a Dell laptop 
uh, one of those, it's a 13.3. It's not an XPS. I'd love to eventually get an XPS. Coffee, Rob? Oh, no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. I'm trying to cut back, Rocco. What? Yeah. On coffee? How can you <laughs> cut back on coffee? <laughs> so, but um, I've got one of the Inspiron series, 13.3, with, um, you know, it's an all-Intel system, but it's it's been so far just a terrific laptop. And, and fits the bill. Well, Dell, you know, has for some time now been making Ubuntu-based. Um, Can I ask you a question uh, before you yeah. go any further? How are the Dell laptops as far as when you go to change out parts? Because I remember back when I was, I had a few, I the couple of computers that I started out with were Dell PCs and desktops, and they were ridiculously difficult yeah. to switch parts out with. So how are the laptops? Well, I've never, I've fortunately never had to switch anything out on any of the Dell laptops that I've had. So um, I okay. couldn't, I couldn't answer to that. Uh, but, you know, I, we've got two within the family. So, I, yeah, two now. But and they work well. Actually, three. I take that back. And so far, we've not had any issues. Good. Uh, they've been stable. And, you know, when you get one with an all Intel system, it's just almost perfect for distro hopping, you know, <laughs> but point. Not that wanna, we would know anything about that. Yeah, exactly. But leading up to that. So Dell, if, um, and this is an article on ZDNet, uh, basically if Dell were playing poker, it would double down on high end Ubuntu Linux laptops. So, um, you know, right now they have the XPS 13, which is kind of their flagship, um, you know, if you if you ever read a review on the X, XPS 13, chances are it's going to be a really positive review. It's kind of it's kind of Dell's number one laptop. So, uh, but they are looking at expanding that into the next generation of um, Ubuntu-based workstation line as well as laptop. And we're talking about um, seventh generation Intel Core processors. Intel uh, Xeon uh, processors and uh, Thunderbolt 3 or the 40 gigabit uh, USB-C, which everyone, you know, is is very high on. And so they're going to even come out with really an entry-level workstation that starts out with an Intel Core uh, i5 um, quad-core processor with Intel HD graphics, the 630 series. And you're looking at four gigs of uh, RAM. You're going to start out at four gigs of RAM on that. Um, you've got an option for NVIDIA Quadro M62 graphics. Uh, but you can get into that with, um, I believe, a 15.6 display for 897 Whoa. So, you know, you think about that pricing standpoint. That's, you know, that's a lot of machine. And it's 100 bucks less than the Windows version. So you're... You're certainly not paying the, you know, the Windows tax for that, Rocco. Right. Uh, Is that a touchscreen at all, Rob? No, that's that's the workstation. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's the workstation. Uh, then you move on up into the XPS series, where you know the prices do start to go up there. But one of the things that's bothered me is is you've seen this trend where they'll come some someone will introduce a system where you can get Ubuntu or Windows. And the pricing doesn't change. And you yes. know that's a load of malarkey because it costs more for, for a Windows system because of the licensing than it does, you know, a Linux-based system. Yeah, that's definitely – it's nice that they're passing along that. Now, I mean, I'm sure that they – that's funny that they give $100 off because I wonder if they get them licenses cheaper than that by buying in bulk or not. I would say they have to. I mean – I can't imagine. I would say 100% they have to because, um, you know, you can't you can't pay what Microsoft wants on that scale and keep your cost down. And then Microsoft's done all kinds of things, you know, over the last couple of years, really since Windows 8 with their licensing to really bring that down. And they limit the manufacturers to a certain size and and things like that where their licensing structure changes based on the hardware. And they've done so many behind, behind the scenes things that, um, 
you know, we have it, it would be almost impossible, I would think, to target what the OEMs really pay. Um, yeah. Well, at least they're they're giving that and they're transferring it back to the customer. Oops, excuse me. <laughs> I just knocked the whole system off of the table. <laughs> there it goes. There it goes. Um, but yeah, what's but it's great to see a manufacturer with a profile such as Dell mm-hmm. uh, hanging in there with Linux. And Michael Dell, uh, years ago, I remember reading an article where he, you know, he favored OpenSUSE. So to see to see that trend continuing is nice, even with their higher end XPS series. I mean, you could buy a smoking laptop, uh, super thin, super light, super fast, uh, with a fresh install of Ubuntu 1604 LTS is what they're still working off of there. But so, you could then wipe that and put something oh, yeah. you want on. Yeah, I would have. Because <laughs> who would stick with Ubuntu, Bob? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'd put React OS on there so fast your head would Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, all right, so- Rob. Well, Firefox 52 has released. It was released on uh, March 7th, and it comes with a few notable things. And one of those things is the fact that it does not support the plugins anymore apart from Adobe Flash. So no Silverlight, no Java, no Google Hangouts plugin support anymore. No Silverlight? So, Man, no Silverlight. Like Can you believe that? <laughs> What are we going to do without Silverlight? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but they do have the Firefox, uh, I guess it's the ESR, the extended support release version, where okay. you can enable the plug-in support. And um, it says here that there are, they're automatically migrated to Firefox 52, Windows XP and Vista users are, because Firefox 53 won't run on XP or Vista machines when it comes out. So that's no, that's uh, interesting. If you're still running XP yeah, or Vista, I mean, yeah, wow. But uh, part of that is uh, part of the new thing is that the in the GNOME extensions are not going to work properly without some adjustments on your end as far as going in and and I will there's a how to and I don't have it right here in front of me. I will post a link for the how to to get it working again, but apparently and like I said I don't use Firefox and I'm not presently on GNOME to try it out. So apparently 52 is not going to work with the GNOME extensions. So I tell you what Rocco, that's that's a surefire way to get some hate mail. I mean, you've got I don't use Firefox. Um I mean, I'll I'll install it and I'll use it specifically for certain things. Um, for example, uh, extensions. Like if you have an issue installing extensions, Firefox mm-hmm. seems to do a better job than Chromium. But you want to talk about upsetting some people because if you have got Firefox set up a certain way and there's you know certain extensions that you install every time you use it, and now all of a sudden you don't have access to that, um, or you have to jump through hoops to get access to it. Yes. That could turn some yeah. people off. Well, along with the new features comes uh, WebAssembly, which I'm not overly familiar with, but apparently it brings near-native performance to web-based games and apps right. without the use of plugins. So, And that's all goes along with you know getting rid of the other plugins. So that's a welcomed improvement. And there's also an enhanced sync option for Android devices on Firefox. So, well, that's you know you give a little and or take a little and give a little, but I think that's given a lot. If they get this game thing nailed, Rocco, that's huge. Yep. Well, like I said, the this I'm getting some of this off of OMG Ubuntu, and he says that there is a uh, how to. But I don't see the link right here in front of me. But I'll get it and post it in okay. the show notes for the note. Okay, good deal. No, but that's that's the whole game thing, man. That's a uh, pun intended. That's a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> game changer. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay. So I, along with that, Rob, there's a legacy add-on web extension thing that's going on with Firefox to where they are going to be going to web extensions rather than legacy add-ons, and. One of the most popular add-ons in the, as they call it, AMO, is the Mozilla add-ons, is uh, Classic Theme Restore. Ah. And, and once Firefox hits 57, 
the legacy add-ons will no longer work. Okay, so we're at 52 right now, but 57 is planned for November of 2017. So mm-hmm. all I can say is that um, if you go to this the Classic Theme Restore page, there's a note at the bottom that says this add-on uses legacy technology, which gives it access to all browser functions and data without requesting your permission. So I guess with the web extensions, they're going to lock it down more. Okay. And it won't have access to permissions that it needs to actually do the things that it does. And it does a ton of different things from changing the, from the, the you know, they went to that Aurelis, or, or I'll forget, I don't know how you say it, uh, theme. Uh, you can change pretty much everything back to the way it used to be in Firefox. You can change the colors, the fonts, everything in this add-on. It's like a really extensive add-on that a lot of people use. It's Like I said, it's one of the top ones in the in Firefox add-ons. So they I guess he talked to Mozilla and posted it somewhere to allow him to have the permissions to continue porting the the add-on to web extensions and they're just not going to make they're not going to give him the API. Oh yeah. To allow that to happen. Yeah. So that's going to be one of those things where you know, you're going to have to make a decision on what you want to use then because it's getting to the point now where a lot of the more favorite add-ons are going away with the switch to this web extension. So you're either going to have to adjust and find different extensions and maybe adjust to not having it the way you want to or maybe even switch browsers. Who knows? I think we'll, what we'll find, Rocco, is in a couple of months we'll be reading a news story about the increase or uptick in Chromium usage. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Well, that you know, it's easy to s- sit back and, and just, as these changes come through, you know, to sit back and scoff at what? You're going to remove this? You're going to do that? But big picture, I mean, things like bringing uh, streamlined gaming through the browser and things mm-hmm. like that, those are big moves, um, you know, maybe. <sighs> Wait, there's another story here, Rob. And you okay. tried to give me the... Um... Where is it at? You tried to give me the lead into it, <laughs> the whole gaming thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> completely went over my head, dude. Okay, so uh, Mozilla is bringing modern video games to your browser. So, Rocco, I haven't heard about this. You haven't heard about this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay, <laughs> along with that WebAssembly goes the fact that you, you're now able to uh, program games to better run in the browser. So you're going to have games that are going to be running uh, a more native experience rather than just, you know, a hokey pokey put together, you know, like minimal hokey type pokey. game. I haven't heard somebody use hokey pokey <laughs> in so long. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I showing my age or what? <laughs> So what it does is it allows the back end of Firefox to do a lot of the work or the the language itself to do a lot of the work. So it makes it easier on the development end of the games. So hey Well, and that's that's key. Better. If you, if you can make it easy for the developers so that it's not like, you know, because they're going through this long process anyway to get it for whatever major platform that they're targeting, but if you can make that step easier, then Yep. And that's when you see those games starting to open up and be be available. So that's key, you know. Well, that's what that does. It, it allows the game to be coded and run the same way, no matter which uh, browser it is or which platform it's on. So with that WebAssembly. Now I wonder. You got to wonder about, say, Steam, for example. How does that cut in, or how would that cut in, and what kind of business model could they make out of that? Uh, so now, if you can get the game through the browser. Right. And it's good implementation. And all you got to do is install the browser and maybe some background uh, programs. You know, once the br- browser's set up, I mean, right. uh, that could be, it could lead to something. I know that like certain games like Battlefield 4 had a plugin that you would install. So in order to play the game, you would have to, it would, lo- you would have a shortcut on your desktop, but then it would launch the browser. And you would actually view the servers and start the game from the browser. And it, and it was a plugin uh-huh. or an add-on that you installed. So um, but to be honest with you, I personally hated it. Because <laughs> okay. when I clicked the okay. shortcut on the desktop, I wanted to launch the game. But it needed to connect to the servers through the add-on. So 
I, I think it's a, a good thing all the way around. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you, man. What do you use the most for your video editing? And I think I know the answer. You know the answer, Rob. I use Caden Live. Caden Live. So do I. And I think the majority of people out there today are probably using Caden Live. Um, and so that kind of leads us to our next bit. And <laughs> this kind of, I don't know, I guess oh, maybe it's called link bait, but... Okay, so like if I were to sit you down, okay, Rocco, so you're a suspect in a crime and I come in and, you know, you're handcuffed to the table, right? And I go, Rocco, what time was it when you robbed the bank? Right? I don't that, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so remember. So your answer is, I didn't rob the bank, you know, unless Wait, you're Is that my answer? Oh, okay, all right, go ahead. Yeah. We'll run with it. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're a dumb crook and you go, I don't know, maybe it was a quarter till late. I didn't really look at my watch. Oh, yeah, I wasn't uh, looking at my watch. But, you know, it's that kind of leading question. And so that's why I see this. And it's like clickbait or whatever. It's like Caden Live 16.12.3 out promises to crash less often. <laughs> I it's love like, it. Give, it's like, give me a break. I mean, um, well, first of all, first of all, Caden Live rarely crashes on me. Um, and I don't even know what version I'm running right now, but I'm not even running it within uh, the KDE desktop environment. It runs perfectly fine within GNOME. Um, it controls everything, pull up just the way they need to. Uh, right. So it's great that it's going to crash less often, but really, do you have to? <laughs> well, Rob, it doesn't crash often, but it's going to crash less often now okay all right okay i'll take uh, that joey, joey cracks me up with this with those headlines it's funny well and you see this more and more and you see it everywhere where it says you know the it's just link bait it's just uh f you know find out what so-and-so did with their car last night you know yeah. and, and yep. so anyway so uh version 16.12.3 it's going to be the latest release in the uh, 16.12 series and basically here they're talking about uh, a lot of important improvements to the table. Numerous causes of crashes have been fixed. And um, I didn't know about this bug, but apparently there was an overnight render bug that affected rendering jobs that went past midnight. So, well, um, yeah, maybe that's... So don't do no late night video editing. <laughs> that's exactly right. No late night video editing. Um, but they say that, you know, the best is still uh, yet to come and uh, that they have focused on the uh, timeline refact re refactoring um, and uh, lots of fixes. Uh, they're looking forward to bringing professional-grade tools. So that's all good stuff. And some of the stuff they're talking about here is um, the increased support towards supporting MOVIT. I, I have no idea what that. Do you have any idea what that is, Movit or Movit? Um, I think it's uh, a plugin, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember exactly. I, did, I remember seeing it. I just don't remember what it does. They're going to reintroduce uh, rotoscoping, which is something that I know uh, many people have wanted to be put back in. So, uh, And that's one that I need to dig into myself and uh, figure out how to use that. They're going to add that's some what new... What's up? That's what it is. It's the GPU effect processing. So okay. allow, it utilizes the GPU. Okay. They're going to add a big question, it. Rob. Yeah. Before you go any further, does it crash less? Oh, it's going to crash less. That's <laughs> okay. right. All right, go ahead. Yep. I'm sorry. That's right. Well, otherwise, had I seen the article that stated that there's a new release of Caden Live with fixes and improvements... I'd have skipped right over that article. You'd have probably skipped right over it. I mean, why would you, you want to it. read something positive like that? <laughs> but, I mean, what's the point? Okay, great. Let's move on. But no, nah, anyway, so um, they're, they're going to, um, uh, new effects, improve motion tracking. Uh, they're going to de uh, debut a new OGG render, render profile. I cannot talk today, Rocco. Um, I have that trouble every day, Rob. And then if, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't uh, good enough that they, uh, you know, have this article that Caden Live is going to crash less, they kind of throw in the fact that despite crowd, uh, crowdfunding success, OpenShot has thus far failed to meet many of its backers' expectations, neither in features or stability. 
And uh, so they throw that in there for, for what that's worth. But I got to say, I have tried open shot over the past month or so a couple of times. And it's just never worked out for me. I wind up uninstalling it and I, I go back to Caden Live. So There's nothing like Caden Live, man. Yeah, I agree. It, not, on, once, not on Linux anyway. Yeah, and once you get the hang of a few key uh, features and controls there, um, and it doesn't take you long, you, you can be up and running and editing a video in, in minutes or, or, or less, you know. Now, there are experts out there that know how to, you know, make these unbelievable production videos with all the effects and everything else in it. But if you're just looking to edit videos on a normal basis, it's not a big learning curve to uh, start using Caden Live. Yep, that's right, man. And I just thought about something, too. Um, if I ever get stopped for speeding or anything like that, I'm just going to say, but officer, I was speeding less. Speeding less than before. Speeding less than before. That's right. Rob, you let me know how that works out for you, okay? <laughs> okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> well, along with Firefox um, releasing their new version, Chrome's not going to be outdone, Rob, because they released Chrome 57. And basically the big news with that is that it enables the WebAssembly by default. So, I thought that was news. Google's new steak sauce. <laughs> That's if you use Chrome. So... <laughs> All right. Um, You're not going to laugh Rob. at that one. You're just going to let no, that one crazy? go. No way. Chrome 57 versus yeah. Heinz 57. <laughs> Come on, Rocco. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Let's... I interrupted you. Go right ahead. <laughs> so for another um, nice game coming to Linux, Rob, you got a Day of Infamy coming out. And I believe it comes out uh, the 23rd of March. And this is from the same makers that made Insurgency. But the good thing about it is it comes with Linux support right out of the box. Oh. And this is a World War II uh, FPS shooter. And they have uh, recommended specs for it, an 8600 GT, which is not a uh, high, uh, high-end graphics card. Now, this is not going to look as pretty as, say, Battlefield 1. But right. uh, it's definitely going to be a decent quality game and uh, two gigabytes of memory for the uh, recommended specs. So if I will put a link in the description to check it out and you may want to buy it. It's nineteen ninety nine. When When's that available? March 23rd. Well, nice. it's officially launching March 23rd. I think if you bought it already, I think you have early access to the game. Okay. But the official release is March 23rd. Sweet, sweet. Well, kind of back to the uh, video editing uh, theme there within the news. Um, got a couple of things here that, I, first of all, I was not familiar with, and one of those is VidCutter. And so VidCutter is an open-source video trimmer app, and uh, it basically does exactly what it says, is that it allows you to go in and cut up your video uh, quickly and easily trim that thing out, split it, and then join it, without the need for re-encoding. So you could quickly take a portion of your video, split it up, uh, piece it back together, and bam, save it, and you're done. So you think about what a time savings that is. I mean, this is, this is one of those things where when you hear about it, it's like, okay, how am I going to interact with that, and how am I going to work that in and mm -hmm. save myself all this time? Because as you know, man, you get in, you start editing videos, and Man, you make one mistake and you've got to re-encode yep. or you miss something, which I'm not going to say that I've ever done. No, but. I mean, I'm not, no, we've not spent hours redoing videos or anything. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so this is really slick. So I'm excited to try this. And along that same vein, uh, we also have uh, Deepin has uh, released their own screen recorder. And so it's going to be a new member in the Deepin software suite. Uh, so easy audio and screen capture um, with uh, the whole screen or part of the screen. And I don't think this is going to be, you know, as full featured certainly as, you know, OBS or simple screen recorder. But, you know, hey, if it's quick and easy and it works well and it's stable, then um, and it's already built in, then I think it's excellent. You can save the video in two formats, uh, which are going to be MP4 or the uh, GIF format. And they'll be optimized, they say here, for performance and quality. Uh, 
And then you have the uh, countdown for the recording that you can set up as well as a record notification with keyboard commands. So, you know, for the most part, Rocco, they cover all the bases there. Well, I mean, I think it's nice that they're actually making it a, a built-in app. You know, I mean, that goes along with, you know, what we always talk about is making uh, distros that are available or that are nice for people to use, that they don't have to install multiple extra software. And if, that come, and if it's usable and good and comes pre-installed, it might be a big hit. Absolutely. And along that same vein, I think this is also going to be a big hit, and that is called Green Recorder. And Green Recorder is new to me. I, I tell you what, man, I'm getting slack. Uh, I had no idea uh, that this existed. And so um, Green Recorder is a desktop screen recording app, and it allows you to record within Wayland sessions. And um, yeah, exactly. So I don't know if you've had those issues or not, but what I what basically what I'm doing now to avoid the screen clipping and everything that you get, which I can't stand. And a lot of times, you know, you don't even know what's happening until you go back and review the video that you made. Right. And then you see the screen clipping and it's, oh, it's just like once you see it, you can't not see it. You know, <laughs> you can't unsee it. No, you can't unsee it. Yeah. It's like a dent in your car, you know, a new dent in your car and you spot it for the first time. And then every time you walk out, you see it anyway. Uh, so this is going to work with Wayland, and um, so we'll put a link into that. I haven't tried it myself. Have you worked with this at all? I have not tried it, but uh, you know, I am. I don't. I'm not running uh, Wayland, so I don't really need it. But for the people that are, uh, and I don't run Wayland even when I'm on GNOME because I run an NVIDIA card, and Wayland right. and NVIDIA don't get along too well. Not any. Well, not at the moment, right now, anyway. Well, to carry on with this, so it's Green Recorder 2.0, and um, they've got a Wayland demo here, uh, a couple of videos with recordings and everything, and a link to install it into Ubuntu 16.04. And um, so you can you record, you know, just a screen or the full window, I do believe. And um, they basically go on to say that um, they've got two formats here for encoding you've got v8 encoder no i'm sorry they're using the v9 encoder instead of v8 uh and that has to do with ram and cpu usage so there's an improvement there going to the v9 encoder as far as your ram and cpu usage and that's another issue too that i found is well you want to talk about the fan kicking in and running in high mode yeah uh, in Wayland, and you notice it right away so, but you know what? Everything's going to have to work its way around Wayland because Wayland's not going away. I mean, nope. Yeah, no, it's definitely not going away. Um, but just so you know, it is in the AUR. I've just looked. So, oh, it is. Hey, yeah. Well, so you got go a PPA world. in that article, but there's uh, definitely all you got to do is open up. The I've got AUR a video go. idea for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I got a I got a confession to make, Rob. Okay. Last week on the show, I thought we talked about KDE updates, and I was talking to you about it, about certain features that were coming to it, and you mentioned about the audio updates. Were there any updates to the audio? Right. And, of course, you know, right off the bat, I wasn't thinking, and I just said, no, nah, no, there's no update to the audio. And I was more geared in my head to thinking about what we were talking about so far, like an update in 5.9.3 update to the audio, and not thinking about the fact that somebody had already sent me a link talking about the fact that they are going to improve the audio settings in 5.10 when it comes out. And the idea, hopefully, is to add a quick setting to just like in GNOME where you would drop down the uh, system tray, you can switch audio outputs right from there. That's the idea. Hopefully that gets implemented in 5.10. But I, I want to apologize to the guy that sent it to me because, um, like I said, I, I, he says to me after the show, he's like, I sent you that link. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> what are you thinking, Rocco? What are you thinking? Oh, you just, you just so, uh Yeah, it's, it was a, yeah, we're just going to. Nothing to see here, Rob. We're just going to move on. And, well, no, that's uh, awesome. Uh, it's excellent to hear, actually, because as we've, I don't know, talked about in the last 12 episodes. 12 uh, episodes, yes. <laughs> the Every last single 12, one of them. <laughs> every single episode, we talk about how KDE needs improvements in the sound settings area. So, hey, if it's coming, that's fantastic. And so appreciate uh, 
whoever brought that to your attention. That was uh, my man Lucas, and he helped me out with that. And other changes in 5.10, they're going to be adding uh, lock screen media controls. So to improve, like, uh, they're going to add improvements for the touch face interface. Touch interface? Touch face, touch <laughs> face, touch face. I, I keep I keep wanting to say touch face for whatever that's reason. A, that's an app you've been working on, isn't it? <laughs> so they have a, a virtual keyboard uh, that will be easier to get to uh, on the lock screen itself. So little little improvements here and there, and that's why I had asked you last week. Um, did you ever try KDE on a on a touch screen system? Well, I have. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've, with my laptop um, and we talked about that where I was surprised that how touch friendly you can actually make the KDE desktop. Yep. Uh, you, most people would think I, I believe most people would think that uh, Unity would be the way to go there. But it turns out I think you can make KDE much nicer than Unity for touch interface. So that's good to hear, man. That's a shock that KDE would be nicer than Unity. <laughs> Not if you've ever. Why do we always bust on you? It's not <laughs> I know. like it's that bad, man. I mean, it's not that bad. It's just, it's just the, it's the easy one to pick, you know. It, it is. It's an easy one to pick on for sure. So, all right, Rocco, I've got a topic for you here that, um, you know, it's been in the news lately, and mm-hmm. I think probably lots of buzz. It's died down a little bit, but uh, that's the whole NSA thing. Well. Let's and, talk and about I've, it, Rob. I've got a story that, that relates to Linux and that. Um, you know, I've got a Samsung television. No, it's not a smart television. I've got a couple of Samsung TVs, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was one of the things you heard about was the NSA can, on certain Samsung televisions, they can uh, tap into your speaker and turn that into a microphone. And yep. so for the past three days, I've been doing a test around my Samsung televisions and saying things like, man, I wish I had some pizza. Oh, I have some pizza right now. <laughs> has any pizza? Arrived, I had some pizza. So far, no pizza has shown up. Okay. Just wanted to know. So I think I'm in the clear. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure of that. Well, but, we, we were joking, but uh, this is a serious, <laughs> serious subject. I mean, we joke about it, but that's, but it is serious. It is. And, um, this is something that, okay, it's not shocking to me anyway. It's shocking to a lot of a lot of people that you know really don't follow it. But if you follow it, it really shouldn't be shocking to you that they can do this or are doing it. It's just the fact that you know, and you'll hear a lot of people mention and they'll say, "Well, I got nothing to hide, Rob. You know, I got right. nothing to hide. You can right. see whatever I want." Well, you know what? I got nothing to hide either, but. I should be asked if, uh, you know, like I got nothing to hide in my house, but I don't leave my front door open either. Right. You don't want glass walls, right? Yeah. I don't live in a glass house so everybody can see what I'm doing. And not that I'm doing anything illegal, but it's my right to have privacy when it's my right when I'm not putting myself out there. If I'm putting myself out there, okay, like, for example, we have YouTube channels. So... We kind of lose that right to privacy a little bit when we put ourselves out there on the net. Yeah. But if you're not putting yourself out there, you have a certain uh, right to privacy for certain things. And I just think it's I think it's terrible what's going on. But I don't know what uh, you're going to do about it. Well, I agree with you 100 percent. And the first bit that I heard about it, as you said, Rocco, it wasn't surprising, but it's kind of like you, you, you know it. But when it's confirmed, yep, it just changes your train of thought a little bit. So you're going to laugh at this, but you know if you know if you had a neighbor who was convinced that there's UFOs visiting, and uh-huh. you know he's convinced of it, and maybe you suspect it, and then one day one shows up in your driveway you know floats down and lands in your driveway it's going to change the way you thought about it right wait there's not ufos huh? <laughs> <laughs> even though you well, i have no idea i'm not not i couldn't tell you but anyway um it's kind of that way for me when i knew it I, I, i'm like suspecting that okay i use google cloud services and i suspect that 
government officials or Google or somehow there's something uh, all connected there that would allow that information that I'm using within the cloud to be accessed, right? Yep, yep. And, and you have the faith that it's not getting into the wrong hands, um, you know, that it's staying as secure and private as possible to people who want to, you know, snatch your social security numbers and all that other stuff. So I, I have that train of thought, and I don't store that kind of information in the cloud. Right. Right. So you don't want to take any unnecessary changes. But then when you hear it, when it's in black and white through the media and through the press, and let's take Windows 10, for example, the NSA can gain access back doors through Windows 10. Now, it was mentioned Windows 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, iOS was mentioned. Okay. Uh, iOS was mentioned. Yes. Android was mentioned specifically. Now, people will say Android. Okay. That's Linux. Right. Right. All right, so, uh, and Google was mentioned specifically, okay? Um, but you didn't hear them say, you know, Antergos, well, we can get a, we can get a backdoor through Antergos KDE. You know, right. you didn't hear that specifically. But not only can they get a backdoor through Windows 10, Rocco, but through the Windows 10 updates, which is, it's, you think about that. And you know the amazing, first, dude. Yeah, it's you know amazing. the first thought I had? The what? first thought I had, no flipping wonder it takes an hour and 45 minutes to do a Windows 10 update. <laughs> You're following NSA, all that info back to NSA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no CIA. wonder it takes an hour and 45 minutes because the NSA's, you know, putting a bunch of crap, a backdoor on your system as they're doing the update. And here's the other thing that really bugs me about this is how deeply are they tied into companies like Microsoft? I mean, is there collusion there that we don't know about or are they doing it? You know, Microsoft says, hey, we, you know, we didn't know this was happening. This is an article I read, and we're rectifying that. And, of course, Apple says, we've already fixed it, you know. Right. We won't fix these things. But the conspiracy theorist in me says, you expect me to believe that? You've yeah. known all along. Of course they All have. <laughs> along that this has happened, you know. Well, look, what are they? what is the option for them to say, Rob? I mean, they're not going to say, "Oh yeah, we knew about that. We've been <laughs> we've been allowing that for years." I mean, they're not going to say that. So, no, in order to no, save they face, they have to say they they have to deny it. Um, but I mean, it wouldn't and and I know that this may be uh, upsetting to certain people, but it would not surprise me if there was a backdoor into any operating system including Linux, including yeah. the kernel. Um, I'm not saying that there is, and I'm not trying to put out information that's not there. I'm just saying in my personal opinion, I watch all this stuff happen. I follow a lot of this stuff and it does not shock me that there's a backdoor in windows or Android or anything like that. It does not shock me that there's, you know, there was 24 zero day vulnerabilities in Android that they knew about that they actively pursued. That's not, that's not shocking to me. Okay, and it wouldn't shock me if there was a vulnerability in Linux, maybe not particularly planned there by anybody, but that they know about that they're not allowing to, to not allowing to be released, so that they can continue using it. Because right. you figure they're releasing all this information, okay? And I know that it's not the uh, government or the CIA releasing this information; it's WikiLeaks and and whatnot. But they have to know that these things are out there. They're not. Oh my gosh, that's our whole fo- <laughs> yeah. uh, that's our whole portfolio of all of our things. You know, you outed everything. No, they have so many other things yeah. that it's not even funny. I mean, I was always told that you know, they're 20 years ahead. So, whatever you're seeing right now, they that was 20 years ago for them and they already have things that would make your mind spin around in circles. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, well, I'm not trying to pass along misinformation or try to uh you know, scare anybody i'm just saying i'm not shocked by all of this news i'm not shocked either rocco the thing that i guess is frustrating is that it's it's collusion and i see it as collusion by companies you want to trust you know i'd like to trust i'd like to trust google and it brings me to a point where it's like well where do you turn you know, and I don't have anything to hide. And they, listen, I was in the Navy. They know everything about me already anyway. They've got all my records. Right. And when you serve in the military, they own you. And so 
Um, so it's not that. It's just that it's almost, what is it? It's the, it's the American way. It's the freedom that we all talk about. It's the, you know, if I want to be left alone, I want to be left alone. Right. And, and it's that ideal. It's that idea. It, exactly. And it's like you're stepping on that idea. And the whole big brother is watching you. Well, guess what? They're not just watching you. They're listening to you. They're, you know, and, and, and on and on and on. And, and like you said, so the Linux Foundation, so up to our story there, um, they say, you know, it's not surprising that Linux is targeted. But here's where I have a little bit of hope, and I, and I read into it that things that I would agree with. And like you said, but then on the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a multitude of exploits that we just don't know about. But, you know, if you read this article, a lot of it's true. And, and, that, and basically, I'm going to sum it up, okay, because the more I think about this, the more I just kind of get frustrated with it. But you've got thousands of people working on the Linux kernel. Mm-hmm. It's updated at a super rapid pace. And you and I have talked about this. It is astounding the number of commits that go through at such a rapid. I mean, you look, we've gone from 4.8 to 4.10, and it just seems like no time. Yep. There's no other operating system out there that works at that pace at that level. There isn't. Uh, You know, and with thousands of people involved, I'd like to think that somebody's going to, you're not going to catch it all, granted. No. But you'd like to think that that's going to be a more secure operating system because of the way things are in place and the rapid number of changes. Um, you know, they're finding exploits. We, we read about this from time to time. They find exploits 10, 15 years old, vulnerabilities 10, 15 years old, and, and, and they fix it. But so I'm going to sum it up here to, are we safer using Linux from a security standpoint? I'd say absolutely. Um, can we say we're backdoor free? No. no. We don't know. You know. No, nobody knows. And like you said, we talked about exploits in the past or vulnerabilities that are, you know, like that one last week was 11 years old. Yeah. So how could that go that long with without anybody noticing it? And that's easy for us to say sitting on the outside. But And that's why I say about the CIA having all of this, all of these vulnerabilities that probably we don't know about yet. Oh, I'm because sure. Because they want to keep them, like I said, because they still have use for them. And I would think, me personally, I would think that Linux would be a bigger target than most people would think because of the fact that it does run on all the servers and the web servers and everything. So yeah. you would think that they would be very interested in, and, you know, again, with Android and everything, you would think they would be very interested in having uh, listening apparatus or something to be able to monitor Linux users. Yeah. I don't know if they do, but I, I surely wouldn't be surprised to say to see it happen. Well, on the lighter side of things, I, after I started thinking about this and kind of mulling things over and I was listening to um, a couple of, of folks talking about it and um, on the radio and, you know, kind of got me riled up. But like you said, wasn't surprised. But then on a lighter note, and it kind of brought a smile to my face, is I wonder how frustrated the uh, NSA is with distro hoppers. You know, <laughs> they just, they just you know, found that back door into your system. And, and they're listening in on you now. And they're controlling your webcam now and everything. And what do you do? You, you, you just turn not. around three days later and you just put a whole new OS on it and wipe out all their hard work. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think, uh, and like I said, maybe the any vulnerability would be like that would be targeted towards people, you know, but targeted towards specific people. But, you know, like we had talked before, they're into uh, monitoring and keeping a track of just about everybody. You know, the yeah. idea is that you'd want to be able to say, yeah, we're we're if if I want to stay private, I can stay private. But it's getting to the point where that's going away. I think, man, to be able to stay private, unless you want to get rid of everything. I mean, unless you want to get rid of your computer, your phone, yeah, um, you know that those type of things, your TVs, and even down to the new light bulbs, dude. I mean, there's even you know who oh. knows what they're able to do with the the new technology with the smart light bulbs and. 
well, so, well, well, not okay. even going to get into conspiracy theories here, but <laughs> no, no. But listen, I, I love talking about this stuff, Rocco, because all right. So if you had an Amazon Echo in your house right now, yeah. No, I, mean, I don't. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. But if you did, imagine what they could do with that. That thing's listening. It could be listening all the time. I mean, my goodness, you're just like opening it up. Now, I know people love these things. Yep. You know, and, and they're becoming something that everyone's kind of coming out with their own version. You've got what? Amazon Echo. What else? Yep. You, got? you got Google's. You got Google. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Off the top of my head. But, and then you have uh, uh, Mycroft, which is an open source company. Right. Uh, having one as well. So they're all out. And, you know, you got to understand that these things have to be monitoring 24 7 in order for them to catch your voice saying, hey, right. hey, Alexis, you know, you they're they're monitoring everything you're saying. So whether that's being stored, oh, that's, you know, up to debate, but it's always on. Let's put it that way. Have you ever uh, read through a EULA with uh, Apple? You know, their consent when you Rob, that's my daily reading material. <laughs> I mean, nobody, you know, but there are people who do. Uh, right. There are people who do, but, you know, I never read all the way through those things. You, it's impossible. I mean, you don't have enough time in a day to read through those things. So, you know, what are you consenting to? Are you allowing Apple to take this bit of information? And then, oh, by the way, we can also take this bit of information. And those are the two pieces that they need in order to formulate that, okay, you know, you're buying printer cartridge XYZ. So now you get this ad. I'm just, I'm just tying it all together here. Google's made a business model out of that, but you never know when you click consent and you're setting up this proprietary software, you don't know what you're allowing there really, because nobody takes the time to read into it. You combine that with stuff that's listening to you 24 hours a time and smart light bulbs and a refrigerator that's got a computer on it that knows what groceries you need. Yeah. And so now somebody could figure out, uh, okay, let's just pull it all together here, Rocco. All right. So you've got your smart TV that they're listening to, your Amazon Echo. They know what you're getting ready to buy. Your refrigerator tells them that you just bought some raspberries. Your so phone the gives them pretty much everything they need. That's right. So the spy is watching your phone, which he knows now that you're at the grocery store. So he sees that you're at the raspberry counter and he knows you've ordered the raspberries because the Amazon Echo heard you talking about raspberries. <laughs> he puts the poison in the raspberries. You go home, you know, and his phone shows you that, okay, he's got the camera turned on. He sees you eating the raspberries. Now he's gotten control of your smart lights and he turned those off so that you could die in the dark by yourself. Wow. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's one scenario that could happen. <laughs> That's one simple scenario. That's all I'm saying, Rocco. Not going to say that this is going to happen tomorrow to somebody. It'll be called the Raspberry Murder. <laughs> <laughs> the Raspberry Murder. I'm just saying. Man, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. But, you know, like, okay, for example, um, the other day I was looking through the phone and. I switched to the Google Home Launcher instead of the. I was using Nova as a home launcher yeah. on my phone. And I switched to the Google one because I was trying to see, I was trying to troubleshoot some slowdown issues. And on the, uh, when you hit the home button, when you hold it, you can have it open up the voice automatically. So you can set that. Well, I don't uh -huh. have that set right now. So yeah, the, what. The OK Google could yes, be the, uh, yeah. activated from anywhere. Right. So instead of having to actually hit the microphone, you can just activate it from any screen. But when you're reading that and you're and you're reading, it says it talks about what it's going to do. And you have to give it permission to do this, to not only just uh, grab the audio, but grab any audio sound, not just your voice. Like it talks about, you know, your voice and everything, but then it has a slash and then it kindly suggests that it's going to grab any audio, including time before you say, okay, Google. So it's like, you, you really got to be careful and know what you're getting into. I mean, that may be no big, de no big deal to some people, but right. it may be a big deal if it's a big deal to me. So yeah, I definitely said no thanks. Well, we had, <laughs> we had a saying Rocco in the Navy and that was loose lips sink ships. Yep. Well, so. loose mics. <laughs> I don't know. I don't got nothing. <laughs> Loose mics break dikes. There you go. Loose know. mics break dikes. I'm grasping yep. at straws here, but anyway. Well, it's it's 
like you said, it's not surprising, but when you start to pause and think about it and you look at all the different areas, you'd literally have to live in a log cabin with no phone lines, no internet connection, and all of your correspondence be done on pen and paper. Well, that's why I said um, you, you just got to be careful of what you're agreeing to, know what you're getting into, know that you're allowing that to happen. And when, you know, there's a lot of people, like I said, that don't care. They just don't really care about it. So, yeah. and that's fine if they don't care, but, you know, understand that that's what's going to happen when that, when it does. So that's right. Well, Rocco, uh, that brings us over to the YouTube corner, I believe. Well, we are at the YouTube corner, Rob, and I want to thank Alan and Michael because last week we were talking about the we were we were whining, Rob. We were, <laughs> we were whining about the frustration of finding a side by side video program and everything. And actually, there was another guy that uh, suggested how we do it through OBS and you know capture the video from my camera and yours and we did start out with that but we switched from that i think it was due to the having a guest and i couldn't get the um, size to be correct so right. that's why we tried for a side-by-side -side video and both michael and alan suggested zoom and their website is zoom.us and it's a program that is cross-platform for linux windows mac and it allows Side-by-side -side video, has a gallery view. Uh, it it's basically fulfills everything that we needed. It's got quality uh, connection. And so far, hands, you know, I don't know. Uh, so far, it's worked out good. Yeah, we're loving it. Um, great recommendation. And, um, you know, we've yet to have a guest on. Uh, we're trying to line up a few guests for the show. But, uh so far, as you said, this has fit the bill and then some. Well, Rob, I think we've reached our final destination for this episode. This has been an episode that has flown by, Rocco. I'm telling you, it's been an over an hour and uh, it doesn't seem like it, but it is. Hey, it's here. Hey, Rocco, before we end things here, though, before we wrap up, I just want to say hey to all my friends at the NSA. Appreciate you guys listening in on the podcast. CIA. And, uh, CIA. <laughs> yeah, if we can do anything for you, just let us know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they already know. What, okay. <laughs> there's nothing we can tell them that they don't already know, Rob. That's right. Just saying. All right. Um, don't forget to join us in our Telegram group. And you can email us at comments at destinationlinux.tech. Love hearing from you. Yep. So we thank you all for listening, be safe, and tune in next week when we will continue our journey to Destination, Destination Linux. Linux. See you, Rocco. See you, Rob.